welcome to the Peds NP, Pearls of Pediatric Evidence-Based Practice. I'm your host, Becky Carson, pediatric nurse practitioner and clinical assistant professor at Catholic University of America. As we continue our season all about babies, I want to touch on a topic that crosses the lifespan in pediatrics, development. One of the big jobs of primary care's effort towards health promotion and disease prevention is developmental surveillance. The AAP recommends developmental screening at regular health supervision visits throughout childhood in order to longitudinally monitor the progress of a child in meeting their milestones in various domains of development. By doing so at every visit, we see the cumulative progress of a child's growth, but we can also intervene early if a delay is noted. In March of 2022, the AAP and CDC published updated guidelines as a part of the Learn the Signs Act Early program. Their article discussed the methods and results of the project entitled Evidence-Informed Milestones for Developmental Surveillance Tools. Today, we're going to pick apart the changes and updates of the article and discuss what it means for the primary care provider. You may want to download your own copy in order to follow along. There's a link posted on the PEDSNP website at www.thepedsnp.com, or you can find it on the AAP or CDC's website. Every child is a snowflake, each one a little different from the others, never the same, always unique. My husband loves to tell this story about me from when our son was a newborn. We went in for a sick visit when he was about six weeks old in order to silver nitrate an umbilical granuloma. Since we were already there, our pediatrician decided to kill two birds with one stone and go ahead and do the two-month visit and vaccines. She asked lots of questions about how things were going at home. She was asking about his skills and development, like, did he startle to loud noises and was he pacified to touch and voice? Then she asked if my son was smiling at me yet. And I said, no, not like on purpose. And she gave this subtle but memorable little frowny face that said, Hmm, that's strange, and quickly moved on. I saw that frowny face, and I came home crying, convinced that our son was delayed. My husband had to talk me down from this teary-eyed parental anxiety ledge and said, you know that's a two-month milestone, and he's only six weeks old. It's nothing to worry about. I knew better as a pediatric provider, but my maternal worries made all of the years of education and experience go completely out of my brain. And sure enough, a whopping two days later, he was lying across my knees in bed and gave me the first sweet social smiles of motherhood. So I called my husband again in tears, this time happy ones, and I've been reminded of this I told you so moment lesson on patience and snowflakes ever since. I tell you this story as a reminder that all children grow up on a developmental continuum, each one blossoming in their own time. Remember that development could also be tied to other factors that might impact how slowly or quickly a child develops. For instance, my son had terrible reflux and couldn't tolerate even 10 seconds of tummy time on the floor without crying and or vomiting. We were limited to exercising his gross motor strength in the Superman hold until he was about six months old. So it's important to think about the entire patient and the family dynamic when doing your developmental surveillance. Are these differences expected based on what you know about the patient or the family, or are they red flags? Does that toddler with too few words live in a bilingual household, or are they geographically isolated where they don't have access to a library and their socioeconomic status won't afford them books? 
Get them hooked up with Dolly Parton's Imagination Library to encourage reading at home. Does that eight-month-old already showing hand preference for left-handedness perk up those spidey senses a little bit for a warning sign of a neurologic abnormality? It should. I cared for a two-year-old with two to three spoken words whose pediatrician was just watching it and waiting for daycare to somehow magically supplement his language development. Well, it was no surprise when he became a three-year-old who still struggled with expressive language before any real intervention took place. That's why the AAP and CDC teamed up with an expert group of professionals to revise their developmental surveillance checklists. They had the specific goals to, quote, identify evidence-informed milestones to include in CDC checklists, clarify when most children can be expected to reach a certain milestone to discourage a wait-and-see approach, and support clinical judgment regarding screening between recommended ages, end quote. So what did they do? Well, they took the checklists that were variable, inconsistent, and unvalidated, and they created a single, succinct checklist of milestones that can be used more effectively to screen for delays or refer for further developmental testing. They created criteria that made screening for milestones more clear and easy to understand across cultures and child skill sets. These milestones were easily observed in the home without formal standardized testing. Checklists were also created for the 15-month and 30-month visits, so that each health screening visit had an associated checklist to monitor developmental milestones. Their milestones are divided into five domains, gross motor, fine motor, speech, cognitive, and social-emotional. When they include a milestone in an age group, it means that 75% of children at that age have achieved this milestone which successfully eliminates the justification behind the watch and wait process. It supports the clinician's reasoning in thinking, hmm, if 75% of children can already do this, what am I missing? I better go ahead and get them some help. Therefore, promoting earlier intervention and improved patient outcomes. What about the already validated developmental screening tools like the ASQ-3? The report emphasizes that the CDC's checklists are not meant to replace validated screening tools, but instead to support the developmental surveillance that occurs at office visits by encouraging families to monitor development at home. Why should parents do this? Developmental surveillance and screening together are more likely to identify the one in six children with developmental disabilities than either one alone. Now caregivers can use the checklist at home to track milestones between visits and better identify concerns to discuss at regular wild child checks. They even have an app for that. And there's no more Google Translate or trusting a sibling to read the discharge papers. The checklists are available on the CDC's website in English, Spanish, Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, and other languages. What are the implications of this report? There's a lot of great evidence here. The group's use of empirical evidence and normative data on milestone acquisition finally made those checklists based on evidence, i.e. data, rather than a clinical opinion. Have you ever seen conflicting ages for a skill on different lists? It can be really confusing to figure out whether a child is delayed or not. Now there's consensus for the child going in one single place. 
The working group also looked at several ages next to one another to better delineate the progression of skills. When does an infant walk? 12 months? 15 months? With the CDC's checklist, you can now see the progression of skills and make better decisions with supported citations that report normative data, developmental surveillance tools that agree, and the published clinical opinions. I can reason better with the building blocks of development and decide whether a child needs further evaluation. Let's look at that walking example. 75% of infants pull to stand and walk holding onto furniture by 12 months. 75% of children take a few independent steps by 15 months. 75% of toddlers walk without holding onto anything by 18 months. 75% of children run by 24 months. With all of this information, you can best decide whether a patient needs further evaluation or referral. And it also means that there's now a scientific basis for the timing of developmental milestones, and this can help us better train future providers. What's more, in an age of information technology, these checklists could more easily be incorporated from an app into the electronic medical record to monitor milestone acquisition longitudinally. What are the gaps and shortcomings of these checklists? There's a paucity of normative data on social, emotional, and cognitive skills to support the placement of the milestones in the checklist. These categories are valuable in uncovering children with features concerning for problems like autism, but the lack of references highlights the need for more research in these domains, particularly in factors that influence acquisition and how these domains relate to other domains like language. Another area of weakness was that because there's not that much objective data on the ages that children acquire these milestones, the group still used published clinical opinions to support the placement of certain milestones on the checklist. But they did point out that they achieved consensus among the group before placing it. The article emphasizes that checklists shouldn't exist independently. Surveillance also involves observation, examination, education, communication, and clinical decision-making. The CDC also underscores that the relationship between caregiver and provider is important to build trust through the longitudinal process of developmental surveillance. The CDC's checklists are an incredible tool, finally all in one place. But remember that these checklists are not intended to diagnose, stratify, or categorize developmental delays. They're tools to use in concert with parents to improve communication, solicit concerns, and promote earlier intervention when needed. Here's the take home. Surveillance and screening work together. Pediatric providers should follow AAP recommendations to screen a child using validated screening tools at every health maintenance visit when parental surveillance reveals a concern or any time a worry is raised in order to identify and refine the child's risk for developmental delay. I hope that you'll like, comment, and subscribe to the PEDSNP. There is no financial support or conflict of interest in this or any episode of the PEDSNP. You can see show notes and references at www.thepeedsnp.com. And remember, you're not just checking a box, you're encouraging milestone celebration. I'm Becky Carson. Take care.